0: To Disjoint It, our podcast mission is to bring a voice to the problems facing decision-making in the built environment. Today, communication and processes are disjointed in the world of design and construction. Work happens across tools, teams, and timelines, making it hard to keep everyone connected. It's the constant challenge to reduce friction and meet project expectations. We believe there's a better way. Well, thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Jeff Sample, and I have the pleasure of having Amanda Finnerty here with me today. Amanda, say hello to everybody.
1: Hi, everyone.
0: Well, Amanda, I appreciate you joining us today. Give everybody a little bit of a background of you know how you got where you are in construction, kind of who you are, so they, they have a lens to look through.
1: Hi, everyone. My name's Amanda Finnerty. I'm the Director of Internal Operations at Commodore Builders. I've been at Commodore for 17 years, and I've been in construction for about 22 years. And throughout my career in construction, I've always had my foot in IT, uh, managing the IT department. And at Commodore, when I came on board there, I actually was not involved in IT at first, but my initial job. Uh, goal or project that I needed to work on was implementing our standard operating procedures. We were a new company. And so I worked with all of our senior leadership to develop those standard operating procedures. And through there, I learned a ton. And um, then the next thing that I needed to do was to implement our ERP. Well, actually, I did that simultaneously. And so um, As I developed that, uh, as I implemented that ERP, they noticed my knack for IT, and I ended up shortly after that taking over the IT department. And I've been in charge of that pretty much my entire career at Commodore. And a big piece of that role has been implementing software, all of our software, (laughs) not just the ERP. So we started there and um, continued on to, you know, we developed, uh, I implemented our ERP and later Procore and um, the other software that complements Procore. And so my, you know, my main responsibility is to look at new software, look at how it works together and how it can help our company. I look for efficiencies for all those standard operating procedures I wrote.
0: Years ago. <laughs> it's kind of interesting because I mean seventeen years sounds like a really long time, but that's actually a pretty young company when you think about the construction industry. When I'm when I'm doing these, I'm hearing, you know, the younger companies were like, Oh, we're fifty years old, we're forty years old, you know, you got a hundred year old. So it's kind of interesting to see that you had the ability from an operations perspective to bring those new as the company built up. So how did that kind of lay the foundation for where you're
1: at today? Commodore, we're, we're celebrating this is our 20th year. So it's a big, big deal for us. And it is, it, it was great getting in at the beginning. And, you know, even though I had only had about five years implementing software, I saw the problems early on. And so as we started to bring on new things, I was intimately aware of what we needed based on my involvement in our, you know, developing our standard operating procedures. But, um, you know, being able to really, you know, being young, being able to meet with the teams and understand exactly what we need and, you know, just bring that on you know slowly where i feel like some companies that have been established for a long time they have a software they've used it forever they're not willing to make a change and i like to think that commodore is really agile you know we we are cutting edge we're not bleeding edge but we're cutting edge we want to be ahead of the curve as far as technology goes so we're always looking at new things you know what is the new you know, what's the new, you know, BIM. I remember when that came out, BIM and green building. And those are terms that aren't even used anymore. You know, now it's LEED and, you know, VDC and, you know, but, you know, we were early, you know, when those technologies came out, we wanted to adopt them. We wanted our company, even though we, well, especially because we were young to be, we needed to set ourselves apart from other companies. So we were always, you know, focused on how can we shine? How can we do this best and efficiently as possible? Because when you're younger, you're usually smaller. Like to think we're pretty big right now, <laughs> uh, but you know, but in the earlier days, you know, we were also trying to figure things out on a small budget.
0: I, I think that's great because you're talking about the strategic advantage that 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 agility gave you in the market. I'm sure along the way. You know, now it's probably harder to pivot, but back then you could kind of error, error correct easier. Is there any examples of that where, you know, early as a business, you you all saw that and said, oh, we should course correct here a little and do this?
1: Uh, Yes, absolutely. I'm trying to think of something off the top of my head. I mean, there's definitely things that we've tried and say, you know, and said, oh, no, that's not the right And I mean, honestly, with our original ERP, part of the reason why we got it so, you know, it handled, we still use it for accounting and we still use it for project management, but we will be uh, switching completely over to, um, well, we actually, we don't use it for project management anymore. We use it for project financials and we will be switching over completely to Procore financials by the beginning of next year and um and that was something where you know we made a decision uh to get this ERP that had a project management uh you know com- uh, module to it it didn't quite work for us it wasn't good enough and so i d- i don't know that we quickly switched over but and it, it, i i guess we did we switched over you know we decided it wasn't quite cutting it for what we needed so we looked at a few applications, and we decided to go with Procore. And now um, I can say Procore has become our core software. And now uh, other software we look at usually I look to see if it has some sort of an integration with Procore. Uh, uh, you you've got to do
0: that, like right? ERPs are the sun; they're accounting. I've, I've talked about this for years. That's your financials. That 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 it's not why we exist, but you know that's the fuel that runs our engine. But it's you know, trying to work with your ERP system in many respects is dangerous. You know, it, it, it's at the center. So your project management, I think really becomes the flexible piece because it's it's where your operations are, right? It's where you need a lot of the data around risk and around what's going on on a job. And only certain amounts of that need to actually make it back to the ERP system so that you can... So, And you've only been around for 20 years and I will tell you that that anybody who changes or removes parts of their ERP, and you don't remove the ERP itself, but changes it within 20 years, that is, of course, correct. That's kind of agile in that space. Cause look, no, no, no disrespect to any ERP system, but they're not usually extremely agile. And it's not something that anybody goes. Hey, we should switch ERPs like every five years. Oh no, <laughs> that is not good for business.
1: I think you know. my accounting people would um, hang me up by my toes, <laughs>
0: and probably everybody else in the organization, right? Just because it's like, look, please get us paid, get these things done, you know, cover the bills. But you know, when you pick something like a Procore to be at the center of your project management world. You're not just using it as a standalone. You're talking about adding in their own core financials later, which is going to help you field a little bit. But you've also started to look at other pieces that play a role with that. What, what's the reasoning behind trying to capture that information really through Procore?
1: Well, I, I mean, there's a couple of reasons. I mean, number one is our people don't want to go into a bunch of different applications. You know, they're already going into the ERP to do their project financials. And our ERP does integrate with Procore. So when we do transition over, it will be smooth. Um, it, it, and I know that the, I know that they will be happy, um, but they don't. You know, so as we're looking at different software, they don't want to go into you know, ten different applications. They want to stay in Procore. So as we look to expand our capabilities, you know, Procore does a lot. So the first thing that I look at is how can we do it in Procore, and if it if it can't be done, or sometimes it's not that it can't be done, but there there can be thing there are software out there that will make Procore work even better. They mm-hmm. feed information into Procore, and so um, those are the. The products that I tend to lean towards. Mm -hmm. Very rarely is it something that's completely standalone because people want it, at the very least, they want it embedded in Procore. And that's where all of our data is, which is, you know, that has become a huge, um, just probably the most important thing for us right now, or the, you know, the biggest initiative that we're working on is um really digging into data analytics and um so and so the more that we can have in one place is great and you know there the analytics can pull in other data sources so that that that's another thing that I'm looking at as we look at anything new yeah. I
0: mean, you can see that in kind of the strategy. The strategy wasn't, you know, everybody's like, oh, why did I come on and just join it to hear about Procore today? Actually, if you look underneath in our earlier calls, I started to realize very quickly that you're looking to centralize data and get more data in not, not one place, but significantly in a number of places. Because you have a business goal with that. So talk a little bit about, you know, you've, you've got these systems, but you're funneling to easier places to then harvest that data. And you talked about the analytics. What are the business goals? Because that's what people I think in this, in this realm really don't, don't talk enough about is we talk about technology, but let's talk about the business goals of what do you need this data for?
1: Well, really, it's all about risk, you know, anticipating risk. And really, you know, especially as we grow, we really need to know how our teams are doing. And, you know, it's it's one thing when you have, you know, 10 projects and, you know, a small number of projects that your people and projects that you're looking on, you can you can keep a pulse on that. You can you can look at a regular report and see what's going on. But when you get to our size, you know, where Commodore is, you know, we're up to about $500 million in uh, construction volume. And you can't do that with an Excel spreadsheet. And um, so you, you really need a better way of looking at your data. So having your data in one place, and it doesn't have to be Procore, it can be whatever system it is, having it in one place where you can pull the data out is key. And because our senior leadership team, they want to be able to look at a dashboard and say, this project is doing well, it's healthy, they're hitting all their marks, you know, um, they look like they're on good track. But this one, we're seeing some signs of red and we need to dig in and see what's going on here. Is it a false alert? It could be. But, you know, let's see what's going on. Let's make sure we understand why these numbers don't look right. And you know the 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 data doesn't take away from you still need to talk to people and and have conversations and 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 have a sense of what's going on for the project, but at the highest level, it gives them a picture of how we're doing as an organization so they know where to focus on first I was going to say that's that's sort of the
0: misconception that people think and and even I was doing this a while back I used to do this talk around, you know, data-driven decision-making. And I was like, somebody finally corrected me and just said, hey, you know, data-driven decisions is not actually a good thing because that means, like, you don't need people. You don't need them to analyze. And I was like, wow, that was not my intent. And he said, "It's it, the person said, it's data-informed decisions, right? You need this data to drive those conversations. And then I, I used to say this all the time, how many times have people sat in a meeting and you kind of go through the entire room and we talk about a whole bunch of things that are okay. And we're trying to shoehorn it all in. And there's one job that we really need to focus our conversation on. Well, that's what a dashboard can do for you is it can say, listen, all these are green. We don't have to have the conversations to go through that process. Let's talk about the red. And there's a misconception again there too, that like we see the red, so let's go whip everybody. No, it's let's see the red. (laughs) And, you know, when you take that red and you take all those people that are in the room that were formerly just wasting time, you now got a really powerful team that's got a ton of experience that can say, okay, let's pull up the red and let's, let's dig in, you know, and analyze. And is that, I mean, that's what we're seeing, at least the forward thinking groups. Do you have examples of where, you know, you can see that helping?
1: Yeah, actually. So where we started with this. So we got we got this data um, um, analytics platform and it's, <laughs> sorry, it's delivered by Procore. So they built out these dash. They built out these reports. And um, so it has 100 reports. And so, first of all, you get that and you don't know where to begin. But what we did, so we started small. Um, we started before we got to even doing these company KPIs we had a new safety manager we had a great safety program but we didn't have a great way of measuring it and he, you know we had this new vp of safety come on board and you know he wanted to see how we were doing and we didn't have any great way of seeing that you could pull up some reports but it really wasn't telling you anything so him and i worked together and we developed you know first of all what the program was going to be more formalized It was it's nothing actually changed. But what we did is we made dashboards to measure everything about the program. And so we and then we scheduled meetings with the teams on a monthly basis. And what we did is so the first meeting the 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 first thing we saw is the data. A lot of the data was junk. You know, there were things that were getting done, but weren't getting done in the in the software and or they weren't getting done properly and so we met with the teams and we said this is what we expect you know this is how you're looking right now and you know we want to make sure that these things are getting done um because the one thing you know the teams sometimes they push back about you know they're we're doing all these things you know i have this on this paper piece of paper and all this stuff and we said you know That's great. We're glad you're doing it, but we really need you doing it in here so that we as a company can make sure, you know, we can keep an eye on how things are going. And also, you know, in this day and age, you need to have proper documentation of stuff. God forbid you have an incident or some some something on a site, whatever it is, and you you need the proper documentation. So it helped us make sure that they were following the protocols properly and then then we could see how they're doing. And we still we still do that. We meet with the teams every five weeks. Every team uh, we pull up the dashboards and we go through their numbers. And then we also we incentivize them with we have a safety incentive program. And we said, you know, the, the team that does the best for the month, we're going to give you know, give them uh, caught being safe lunch. We bring lunch to the whole site, including the subcontractors. We give, you know, we give out some mugs, we make it an incentive program because I think that's an important piece, too. This isn't about, um, like you said, you know, because people re- reacted that way at first. They're like, oh, you're micromanaging or you're, you're digging into these numbers you know, we're just getting bashed for, you know, we work so hard and then we're just getting bashed because our numbers aren't perfect. But that's why we have the meetings in person, too. You know, we, we talk with the teams and we say, hey, this looks off. What's going on here? And there's normally a conversation and we help them correct the situation. You know, sometimes it could be that they have a diff- difficult subcontractor. And so and they, you know, sometimes they will um, they'll sit in that box and just say, you know, we have this difficult subcontractor and we just muddle through with them. And what we say is if you're having problems with a subcontractor, they're not following safety protocols, which is just not allowed. Then we will have a conversation with their office and we will, we will help you help them. And, you know, because these are things that are there's, we don't, there's, there's no uh, less than 100% allowed for certain things. And so, you know, that's where it started. So we're taking that same, you know, we started with there and it, it you know, our program went from being, it was already a good program, but our, our numbers went from being not so great to really great across the board. And, you know, people and it, you know, and that also drives the safety culture. So you can use it to drive culture. And we took that same concept. And actually, this is interesting. So in my time, in my 17 years at Commodore, I have implement helped to write and implement a QAQC program. This is now the fourth time. So we, you know, develop a great program. We put out these binders. So let's just start there, binders, and we give them to the team and we train them on these binders. And guess what? Nothing happens nothing and here we have you know a uh, software that has built-in tools to do it has inspections it has observations it has all these tools to do your qa qc program efficiently make it easy make it you know a really good program that helps that you as a team follow up with your subcontractors everything nothing was happening so we created we used that same concept that we used for the safety program applied it to the QAQC program, re-rolled it out. And now we have traction for the first time since I've been here. And, you know, and it's, and it's, you know, it's been adopted. It's been appreciated by our teams because it's something where, you know, we have a QAQC manager who meets with them every five weeks or actually he meets with them more frequently because especially because it's a new program. But the nice thing too about the analytics is when you implement something new, you're able to see how you're doing. You know, it's a new program. Are people grasping it? Are they adopting it? Are they understanding it? Are they doing well with it? Is it helping them? Where are the Where is it not working? You know, you can see all of those things with your data analytics. Yeah. and
0: that, and, and it takes forethought, you know, going into that. There's so many folks that that roll out new things, whether it's a new process or new procedure or new technology, and they don't set a set of measurable KPIs to know how it's going and, and then don't course correct. I mean, that's a, that's a huge one. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, some of the, as you're doing a new initiative, some of the ways you're measuring how those initiatives are going and then maybe doing course corrections along the way.
1: Well, yeah, so we'll we'll set up, you know, this the you know, we set up the parameters for the new program and we'll, you know, we'll have a cheat sheet for lack of a better term to say, this is our expectations for the program. And we meet with the teams and we say, you know, this is what we think you need, this is what you need to be doing and the why. I think that's always important. Tell them why. We're not telling you to do paperwork to do paperwork. We're telling you to do these things because it should reduce your punch list. It should save you time in the long run. For example, you know, in the case of QA, QC.
0: Um, I, I think that's important because you know, we, we, at the Construction Progress Coalition, you know, we call this whiff'em. What's in it for me? And every every person sitting on the other side is like, "Hey, are you pencil whipping me, or what's in it for me?" And people fail to realize that really good QAQC process prevents rework.
1: Exactly. And rework is your schedule. It's your, it's your punch list, it's your reputation. Mm -hmm. You know, so all of those things are those are, you know, you can you can have a job, knock it out of the park for all the way to the end, and you can lose that clients. Uh we call them promoters, but you can lose their enthusiasm. You can lose their desire to work with you again in the last 10% of the job. You can, so, you know, the end of the job is as critical as the beginning of the job, you know, or every, 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 every other part of the job. It's probably the, that's the last impression that you're leaving on a client. So you want to knock it out of the park.
0: It's crazy because I just had a conversation with someone earlier today that, that was, you know, kind of theorizing one of the bigger problems in. Construction that we have is that the bigger these projects we're doing, the longer of a tail they have, and the more um, like in industry-wide ADD we have, where it's like next project, next project, and we're 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 we could take all that great work, and we you, know, you see all the the new focus in design, build, and you know modern delivery methods, and we're doing all this work up front, and then we're we're building with new methods. And it's that last 10% exactly. and we're not, let's be honest, we're, we're like, cool, it's built, let's move on. But you're right. It's, it's really critical that we, as a business realize the, it's not always the first impression. It's the last impression that we leave.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, and then there's the, then there's the stuff along the way, you know, mistakes that are along, made along the way you know, a client's going to say, shouldn't you have anticipated that? What, shouldn't, you know, what did I hire you for? So, you know, having a structure, you know, you know, some people have been in actually with my IT department and here's a good example, different thing, but uh, a a good example. So it it used to be me forever. You know, I've, I've come up from the ranks. So there was a time when I was, you know, setting up computers for new hires and, You know, and I knew what I was doing. And so, you know, I'm installing this software. They need these permissions, all these things. And, you know, then I hired people and I had my own methodical way of doing things. And I'm very meticulous. And so it worked for me. But I hired different people and people come and go. And every time a new hire would start when I had, you know, I was no longer doing that. I had I had delegated and my department was doing it every new hire would send an email about something that was missing. And it was driving me insane. And it's just not a good impression on a new hire. So I said, here, I put together a checklist. I said, do it, do this checklist for every new computer, tape it to the front when you're done. So, you know, you got everything. And, you know, every once in a while I'd get another email and they'd say, oh, well, I didn't use the checklist. You know, I know what I'm doing. And I'm like, If you know what you're doing, that's all the more reason for you to do a checklist because you take things for granted. It's second nature to you. You miss the little thing that matters the most. And so the same process applies to QA, QC. And so, you know, it's way off the track of data analytics, but that I mean, it's the same concept, like, you know, measure twice, cut once, as they always say, you know.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really where we're headed. So you've got all these, you know, you've done your dashboards on on the, on these different, you know, projects like safety and like QAQC, but I know as an organization that you're actually trying to take this now to the next level. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, now that you've gotten this traction, where Commodore hopes to take their data and insights into the future.
1: Sure. So, I mean, it was interesting because we got this software and started using it and, The senior leadership team, they were interested, but, you know, they didn't really even get it. They weren't in this day to day. And then they started to see the results as, you know, we would have senior leadership meetings and the safety guy would be able to present his dashboards and everyone else had Excel spreadsheets. So the rest of the company said, hey, I want that, too. (laughs) And um, and our, you know, our president and CEO, they both were, you know, said, you know, we really want to have these type of dashboards. So they actually um, met with the board, you know, discussed it at a board meeting. They got feedback from the, uh, our board of directors. They got feedback from our senior leadership team about, you know, what is it that we need to measure? And then um, we put together a plan and we are actually pre- I'm presenting our final draft this Wednesday you know, we've been working on it for a while, but the important thing is to figure out what you're measuring, why you're measuring it. Um, you know, how is this going to help the organization to just determine what's important to you as a company, where you think, you know, what are key indicators? And I can tell you about you talked about pivoting and changing things. So they came up with an initial list. We put together a draft. We met with them they could see the data. We explained to them what they were seeing and they kind of, that's why it's actually taken so long. They, they said, well, we like that. That's, that's a great measure, but that doesn't really tell us what we want. And so we pivoted again and we made a you know, we made another change, came back again and they looked at it again and say, you know, made it, you know, said, well, that's not quite it. We want this. And so we, it was a, a bunch of back and forth on the data. And now I think we have it in a place that's exactly what they're looking for. They may change it again, and that's okay. But, um, you know, we will, you know, that's kind of the process is you need to decide what what do you want to measure as a company? What are our key indicators? How do we measure it? And actually, one of the things that we found along the way is not everything was available to be measured in this data source. And so we had to look at um, other ways of measuring things as well. So in one case, schedule, Um, that does not work the way that they want it to. Their schedule is available in this data set, but not to the level that they want. And not with the, um, the it, it can't measure what they want to measure. So I've actually been meeting with our scheduling team and uh, we have a different software that actually can pull directly from the schedule. And we we're going through a whole process with that. That's where we're going to be adding some specific codes to our schedule so we can get exactly what we want directly from the schedule. Now, the schedulers have been creating dashboards all along in Excel. Mm-hmm. But we don't, you know, one of the things that you learn as you go through this is, and as people learn as you go through this, we don't have to fill out Excel spreadsheets anymore. That's how errors get made. Excel's great. We all like Excel. It's easy to use. We all know how to use it. You can do just about anything you want with Excel, but the data's not live. And you can just make typo mix mistakes and you can com- and also it can, you can manipulate data. Yes. And so <laughs> that that's probably one of the biggest things is I don't know a person in my company that doesn't know how to manipulate an Excel spreadsheet to make it look like their project's perfect. Yep. <laughs> and so when you're pulling live data, you're getting the facts you're getting. It's it's black and white. This is how it is. And, you know, it still warrants a conversation, but, um, I hope that it, that
0: well, it, it. <laughs> it hits it and, and, and Excel's a great prototyper, right? It's a great thing to say, okay, prototype what, what I'm kind of talking about. Let's get an iteration. Okay. This looks great. Now go get me this in somewhere else. And, and it, it fairly unfortunately what happens in construction is like, oh, look, prototype, here's your prototype. Use it. Like no prototype should not be in production. Right. That We failed to make that, but tell me maybe if you can, what a particular KPI or thing that came up along the way at this level that you were surprised, but the company's really focused on.
1: I don't know if I was too surprised. Um, Let me think. I mean, um, so we're measuring, I mean, the, the, we will be adding more. I know that for a fact. Um, But a surprise that, the, uh, or just some they,
0: cores uh, for the people listening. Like what are some of the core KPIs, if you can share that outside of the, you know, maybe safety and QAQC that the, that the, uh, the leadership was like, Hey, go back to the board. Cause this is what we're looking for.
1: Uh, well, it's e- even on QAQC. So, you know, so we we were looking at, you know, one measure in QAQC and it's about, you know, it started off about if people were getting things done and then it's, are they getting things done properly, you know, within a certain time frame? That was a lot of things that they added to. So um, uh, because there's that's another thing where, you know, people will clean up a report to should look good for a meeting that they know they have scheduled. And so we don't want them doing that because the, the whole purpose of this is to these programs are to be tools to help the teams they have a purpose. It's not paperwork, as I said. So that was one thing. So that was really interesting. Like, so we had great measures on what we were doing for safety and quality, but then they wanted to know what time frame was this done in? So we had to, that was challenging from an analytics perspective to make that work, but we were able to do and say, hey, this was done on time. This was late. This was not done.
0: Mm-hmm. That was
1: one thing. We're looking at a few financial um, you know, financial criteria. And it's, that's actually been very interesting to me because some of the numbers look really off and, you know, we had to keep adjusting that. We'll probably have to tweak that some more because it depends on the type of contract that you have. Is it a lump sum? Is it a GMP? Is it a cost plus? Is it, you know, whatever type of contract it is can have a dramatic impact on what your numbers look like. You know, so having a dashboard, uh, we were trying to have something that just had like, you know, schedule, financial, you know, these different whatever it is and had red, green or yellow. And it's hard to do that with certain metrics because you need to have that filtering that you can have in analytics that you can't and other things you can just say, okay, show me the GMP projects and compare how they're doing across the company. Now let's look at our lump sum projects. And you can do that in two seconds in um, analytics. And so that was, those were one of the, um, yeah. So I think that that was the big thing is, you know, looking at it was, it became more than just the numbers. It came about the usage, you know, how it's being used. That was an important measure in there.
0: I think that's a great correlation because we see this in the industry quite a bit, and I'm one of those people that 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 really rat you know gets on people when they show big things like you know I showed the McKinsey curve a lot when I was you know first out, but then you know if you really look into it, the McKinsey curves are based on this entire industry, which is way more diverse than you can even lump into that. So it's really important to be able to contextualize data. So as an, a company like Commodore is looking at its performance in the GMP world, you've got to be able to segment that data by the GMP and look at how you're doing. If you look as an organization, you may look like you're doing fine, but that's because you're doing really, really well in say design build but you're doing poor in, say, lump sum work or however it's been broken out, especially contractually now that that things are there's there's a, like a fla- lots of different flavors. Right. You need to be able to focus in on how those projects go because they're delivered very differently. Right. You know, if you're if you're talking about a, uh, if you're talking about a design bid build versus a um, you know, design build project, they look very different midway. You know, then, then, right. then each they, they look very different. They have very different inv- indicators.
1: And there's also just your markets. You know, being able to switch that up. We have a group that does strategic projects. They do small projects. They're how they operate is much different than a complex life science project. You know, there is it. You know, they have essentially very little. Planning planning and pre-construction where life science, there's there's a whole, you know, you could have months of that before a mm. project even begins. And all of those things have impacts on what your data looks like. So, you know, being able to dissect it in any way that you need to.
0: Yeah, like, slice it and give it context, right? Data is is useless without really good context. And that's that's a really important piece. So hey, I really appreciate you taking the time. I want to give you an opportunity before you tell everybody how to connect with you. If you were, you know, if somebody's listening in and they're new on this journey, what are some of the first steps you might say, Amanda, like, hey, here's some, some building blocks you can go do if you want to go down the data journey?
1: I would say there's a, there's a few things. So there were, you know, one is developing a prototype, but don't use it. And Excel, you know, do, you can start with figuring out what it is that you want to measure. And then there's a lot of different products out there on, you know, you have to identify, well, you have to identify who in house or knows your data, because even if you hire a consultant to do this for you, which you can do, someone has to understand your data. So you have to understand who, or it could be a group of people who understands that data. Um, That's, that's, really important um, because you have to be able to inform how to get the data. So you have to look at what you want, who knows where the data is, where does the data live and then how are you able to pull that data into together into a common place so that you can evaluate it in, um, you know, in a common pool, I guess is for (laughs) Yeah, people like to call
0: it a common data environment. They like to call it a common data. But actually, for me, when it comes to analytics, the beauty of analytics is is you're creating uh, a conglomeration of that data to then analyze. So it doesn't have to live there. It's that you can access the data from multiple points and then mash it together
1: in the end. So
0: any other, you know, tripwires or things you said, Hey, look, I did this. If, if I can save anybody that one mistake, is there one mistake you'd save them?
1: Uh, well, I, I mean, I would say, you know, understand what it means to put together data analytics. (laughs) I have to say, um, part of the reason why we got Procore analytics is because they built out all these reports for us. So when we first started the safety program, we have Office three sixty five. I bought a Power BI license, and our VP of safety and I said, "Okay, let's try to build this ourselves." And we did okay, (laughs) but we didn't do great. (laughs) It was we were able to get some information, and we said, "You know, this is it's a it is you have to have someone who can dedicate some time to it. It does take some time, or you have to have a." You know, someone that can help you with that working with that in-house person who has an understanding of your data. And I mean, but it, the biggest thing is understand, you know, it takes a while to understand what you want. And I can tell you both with safety and with QAQC in future with the company KPIs, um, you have to be willing to shift. It's going to shift. We've changed those, we've changed our reports multiple times. And um, you know, you kind of and. As the business changes, we'll have to change them again. You have to be able, you can't get hung up on like, oh, I spent all this time building this. You can't take it personally. These are, you know, people want to see what they see. The business changes. It will continue to change. And you have to shift and adjust with the business. And the nice thing about it is it is easier when you have this tool in place but i would say you know set realistic expectations too it 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 does take some time just to figure it all out
0: um, yeah, everybody likes an overnight success, but let's be honest, in this data journey, that's not really how it's going to go. So prepare yourself for the future. Prepare pre- prepare yourself for the process, right? You know, if it was easy, I wouldn't have a show around data analytics because, well, everybody would be just doing it. So yeah. you know, anything but anything worth doing is hard because at the end, I think it, it benefits the business greatly.
1: Well, yeah. Once it's set up, it's set up, and it 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 has huge benefits. And and um and I can say, uh, well, I guess two other things I would say is start with something small. You know, like we did. I think it really helped us a lot that we started with safety, and and kind of proved it out because it did take convincing to senior leadership. Like this works, and this is what we can do. And you know, the data is accurate. And you know, I can't tell many how many times people said to me as I was doing the company dashboards, like, oh, it'll be great when this is live data. And I'm like, it is live data. (laughs) It's it's, this is, this is live data. Um, and they, you know, they, they don't understand it. So there's, there's other things too. You have to plan to set up time to train people how to use it Mm -hmm. and how to read it and how to tell the story. So when you show someone a hundred dashboards, You would think they'd be impressed. They're not. They're terrified. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to say, okay, hold on. Let's just look at what's something that you want to look at. And you have to be able to explain it to them and show them how they can get the information they need. Then they start to get it. So if you start small and then grow into some of the bigger things, I think you'll do better off because I now have people come to me all the time and say, hey, Amanda, can you build this in analytics? because I really need this report. And I just spent, you know, eight hours trying to do this, and I still don't have what I need. Then one guy did that with me, and I was able to build it in 20 minutes. And he was like, you're kidding me. <laughs> and it was he was like, this is exactly what I need. And um, it, it, he was just thrilled. And so that's the other thing, too, is you have to you don't make people feel that you're micromanaging and that you're you're, you know that they're being criticized over it. You have to you have to put a positive spin on it or people are just gonna push back. And I think that's really important. You have to show them what was the acronym you use, show them how it benefits them.
0: Yeah, with them. What's in it for me?
1: Yeah, what's in it for me because it really that's all people care about is what's in it for me. And you know, we have big plans on thing, you know, I monthly owner reports, you know, we have the the company KPIs, we have a whole other you know our life science department, just they're chomping at the bit with all the things that they want to do with this data analytics. Well and the other thing is that I would say the benefit, the, the backside that you don't even think about when you're starting this is it incentivizes people to use the software properly because they see the benefit of if what they put in. When they put in good data, they get these great reports. So it may be worth that extra minute to click those two boxes in the in your in the software program that normally they just ignore. You know, so they fill everything out. They fill it out completely because they know that they can get these great reports and they, you know, and it makes their life easier.
0: Well, and and it's and it's interesting because we've talked about the data problem for years and I had Julian Clayton on earlier from Procore who basically said that exact same thing is that if you Are just kicking it over the fence and just saying, you got to do it. It's always going to feel like paperwork. But if you start to show them how their input and collection of data then goes into analytics and provides them that information back. So that person that came to you and said, can you do this? They had a reason. They had a need. You've now filled that need. That's going to spread. That's going to go. Next person That's like, I don't want to check it. They don't do anything with it. Oh no, they're doing things with it. And it's really helping us. And all of a sudden, your quality data problems solve themselves. They're never going to solve themselves until you let those field people know what's in it for me. Why am I doing this? And how are you helping me with it? And you're really starting to do that. And then, yeah, the company gets to win from that as well, which is a bonus. So, hey, I could go on forever on data. I'm sure (laughs) you can as well. I'm sure we'll meet up again and do this again in the future, but I want to give you an opportunity to let everybody know where they can connect with you and learn more about Commodore builders.
1: Sure. Well, of course you can um, go to our website is commodorebuilders.com and that's builders with an S and you can find me on LinkedIn, Amanda Finerty, and I'm at Commodore builders. So if you search for either, you should find me pretty easy.
0: Well, that's great. Amanda, I want to thank you again for taking the time out to join me on the show it's been a pleasure to have you. It's been a pleasure to get to know you and get to know what Commodore's up to. We're looking for great things in the future from the company. And to everyone, thanks for tuning in to this season of Disjointed. Remember to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. To learn more about Disjointed or read the show notes, just stop by disjointed.fm. Do you have a show idea or want to lend your voice to the discussion? Then email me at jeff at join.build. This show is brought to you by Join the decision-making platform for the built environment. Learn more at join.build.